0: Hey, welcome to another episode of the John Sterling Show. I'm John Sterling, and this podcast is powered by BRC Recovery and their mission to serve our nation's vets in recovery. Uh, As a U.S. Army veteran, I have the distinct privilege uh, on this platform to do three things. One is to place a spotlight on the organization and the hope that they provide within the recovery space. Two is to present an alternate mindset of joy and thriving versus shame and stigma that's often associated with this recovery process. And three, to provide a voice of advocacy for our brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters uh, in arms. And today that voice of advocacy comes uh, in the form of a gentleman that I recently met, unbelievable guy, Cedric Dunmore. Cedric, uh, really glad to have you uh, in the studio with us today.
1: It's good to be here, John. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to come and share with you this morning.
0: Absolutely. You know, brother, we, we got introduced through a common colleague. And, and one of the things that I like to uh, to start with is my, my understanding of you was just a guy that that uh, was doing a lot of great stuff in the community, both in the civilian sector, uh, in, in the veteran sector. But you are a veteran yourself. That's correct. And great. you bring that level of advocacy, which we're going to be talking a lot about today, to this initiative with BRC, helping our uh, brothers and sisters uh, through that process, uh, but you also are in recovery yourself. That's correct. So, give us a little bit of a background. Again, fill in the the gaps. Who is uh, Cedric Dunmore?
1: Okay. Well, uh, I'm a Air Force veteran. I spent 20 years in the Air Force. I've been retired now 22 years. So, I went in right after high school, and and I enjoyed my Air Force career. Uh, I'm 27 years sober, by the grace of God. Um, Congratulations, brother. And it it has been a process. I wish I could say that I was a one-hit wonder, but I'm (laughs) not. Um, I went to treatment twice while I was in the Air Force. Once uh, because I was in trouble, and once—well, in trouble in terms of uh, the military. And then the second and final time, uh, I went because I was broken. I was completely broken, and I could dress up and show up and uh, perform all of my duties. But inside, I was crying and dying. Wow. And so one of the things that I'm so glad to be able to to do in this format is to uh, hopefully help other veterans who uh, may still be crying and dying on the inside to know that there is help available, mm-hmm. and it is uh, through a system that we have uh, died and paid for. So um, I'm glad to be here.
0: That's awesome, and and you are uh, married uh, to Debbie. I am, uh, and you share a common interest and a, and a mission with her as well. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, it, it's really gratifying to know that uh, a gentleman like yourself. Uh, we we'll talk about this as well. That that looks the part, right? Uh, we we talk about people in the in the in the space uh, of recovery, uh, especially in the clinical environments. They need to see people that might look like them. Yeah. Uh, they need to see people that they feel like might have a clue as to what they've gone through. Just on a visual, to open that door, the optic needs to be uh, welcoming. And we're going to talk about that word as well. But really, uh, really, really love the fact that you have uh, taken the opportunity to trust me through our common uh, colleague that uh, introduced us, several colleagues, actually. And I remember the first time that we were in the same space was over dinner. We didn't barely say a word to each other. But what I thought was interesting was that you made your way to another part of the table where my colleague that I'm very good friends with was sitting and on the plane ride back from uh, Austin to Atlanta she was in my ear about this this Cedric guy. And I thought, man, that that's that's how that's how things work sometimes. You you develop credibility just by being who you are and I think that's that's such a huge part of um what I am trying to uh, accomplish with uh, this advocacy board that I'm putting together, right? Um, that people come to the table with that street cred. Just it just, and you don't have to say anything about your own life. People will say it for you. And I really appreciate that that that's the the footing and the ground that we started off on. Um, so this is a a, a conversation where I'm going to harken back to some of the conversations we've already had because you and I. <clears throat> excuse me, has spent some good time on the phone. We've spent uh, far less time face-to-face like this, and I'm really glad that we're able to do this. But you at one point had mentioned to me that uh, in your opportunity to serve, uh, you have been with every end of the spectrum. You've been with people of means, and you've been people uh, that are in, in a position where where there is... Um, some needs that haven't been met, and 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 there's scarcity, mm. and and one of the things I'm, I'm glad that you were confident in. I mean, I you know we're we're adults here, so we know who we are and who we're not. But you were really confident in the fact that that gave you a point of leverage on dealing with everybody across the spectrum of of, of humanity, right? Um, as as a person that not only is culturally competent, and we talk about culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people get that twisted. We're not talking about race. We're right. talking about how you grew up, what your norms are, what your values are. And also someone that I perceive as being extremely emotionally intelligent. And that seeps through your pores, brother. I mean, that's something that is is, is really clear. But as it relates to the opportunity that we're developing and that you've taken uh, me up on to be part of this advocacy board, how does that body of lived experience help you, uh, or do you think it will help you to become an advocate for those we serve that are coming in our doors, uh, welcoming them in, um, based upon the things you've gone through. Well, John, for me,
1: it, it kind of went like this. In the Air Force, I had the, the fortune of uh, working with some folks who made a permanent imprint in my life. Mm. The second time that I went to treatment, my, my uh, counselor, was a man who looked like me. His Mm -hmm. name is Barry Anthony. He's still alive. We're still very close. And he accepted me for the person that I was. Mm -hmm. Not Staff Sergeant Dunmore that he met at that point in time, but he accepted me for Cedric. And he was willing to hear Cedric's narrative of how he grew up and how he experienced life. You mentioned being uh, 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 intellectually connected. Well, my emotional connectivity has developed as recently as maybe the f- last six or seven years. Wow. So if you think about being emotionally disconnected, I'm, I'm 60 years old, right. being emotionally disconnected, having been married twice before Debbie and wow. being in relationships where I could physically show up, intellectually show up but not emotionally show up. Mm -hmm. And so the the learning process and the learning curve for me was enhanced by the fact that I, like today, I'm sitting here talking to someone who looks like me. I'm feeling that the person across from me is someone who is empathetic to the fact that I'm a human being. I'm not just, you know, the next client that walked in the door. And so that gave me hope. And um, I continue to... Go in that process in terms of doing the work, and it's been you know it's been it's been very very uh, challenging at times because I am a man who was brought up you know boys don't cry right. um, the military teaches us that mm-hmm. uh, being emotional or showing emotions can be dangerous, um, and so having to unlearn some of the the cultural norms that I learned, right. uh, and then you know take that and put it into a, 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 a life that was consumed with with alcohol, it's like, uh, how do you balance that? Right. And so it was having that someone that looked like me. And then I had a, a, a social worker that I worked with who encouraged me to uh, step outside the box in terms of don't just do the things that a mental health technician does. Mm. Take the opportunity to do some of the things that, Social workers do that. Mm. Psychologists do in terms of co-facilitating groups and being a leader in those groups and being a leader amongst my peers in terms of kind of showing vulnerability is okay, Mm. and it's not you know it's not a rash, it's not a jacket that you can't ever get rid of.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I love that, and and there's so many things that you just brought into the conversation. By virtue of the person you are, but I, I really, I, I hung on to some of these. So you use the word broken. Okay? Mm. Um, us alpha males, alpha females, we deal with you and I've been on leadership platforms and be, eh, we don't only really talk about that. That's not yeah. that's not normative language, right? Exactly. Um, and and you might be an other if you start talking too much like that, right? But yeah. you feel free to just throw that out there. The other thing that's really interesting within the military uh, context, is we like to talk a lot about rank. Mm -hmm. And we lean on rank, and frankly, we lead with rank, because it's right in the middle of our chest. And so, you've seen the eye movement in an individual that's approaching you, or you approaching them. You want to know, first and foremost, what the heck their rank is, so you know how to address them. You want to know what they've done, so in the Air Force, as well as in the Army, we have these little cool little things we can put on, you know, one side of our a uniform that says how cool we are, what we've done. And then the names, we all got a name. right? But that rank, and you actually said staff sergeant. Mm-hmm. You should be proud of that. I was a staff sergeant promotable as well, so we're in the same universe, right? Yeah. My my military career was a little bit unicorn. I started off, you know, uh, at 40 years old when I got in, so um, didn't have the the longevity to create rank. But here's my point. Our advocacy board, and it was brought to my attention by a command sergeant major that's on our board, is diverse, and it brings lived experience from lower enlisted, middle enlisted, senior enlisted, officers, female, ethnic minority. And I love the fact that you leaned into all that because what that does is uncovers your humanity. It. it, it it reads like a book. You don't have to say much. If you said you were a staff sergeant in the Air Force, or I said I was a staff sergeant in the Army, other than our actual job, that, for us, gives a good description of kind of what we might be thinking and going through, right? Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate it. And so that, in, in typical Cedric fashion, I, I've never been in a conversation with you where I don't leave with like, man, that, that joker just threw out some serious knowledge beyond what I even asked. So I, I thank you for answering that question. Um... So thoroughly, um, we're going to go now. Some other statements you made that I just thought were intriguing. Right in the context of serving as an advocate, um, one of the things you said to me, I want a further explanation on, and, and just build on this. is you said, building strength is building community, so others can help you carry the burden. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. You probably said that yeah. at least once. Yeah. Right. Explain what that means in the context of leadership and this notion of advocacy for you. So for me, none of us can be
1: successful at anything just by ourselves. And so when we join together as a community, when we take people who are experiencing challenges and we say, you know what, let me see what I can do to help you carry that burden. But also in helping you carry that burden, I want to share with you that I'm not just the cleanup person.
0: Mm.
1: I have some Baggage to carry too, <laughs> you know. I have some things that I've gone through, and maybe through our commonality of challenges, we can grow together. And so uh, uh, we have this saying: uh, when two or more come together, mm-hmm. great things can be accomplished. Right. You know, and 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 I use that in the spiritual sense: when two or more believers come together, the opportunity to grow closer to christ and that's my higher sure. power Absolutely. Um, um it grows exponentially right but when we as a community one of the things that I, I it is so important for me in in working with veterans is i want veterans to understand that there's help there's hope and there there is a way to maintain your dignity mm-hmm. of being a veteran being a veteran is, is something to absolutely be proud of. Right. I run into a lot of veterans who... they don't really acknowledge that they served. You know, they don't really... You know, I, 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 I had a conversation with a 90-year-old veteran mm. the other day. I went to see him in the hospital. He had brain surgery. And the conversation that he has about being at Vietnam is something that I can't relate to in terms that I've never been in combat like that but I've served. And so, you take that 90-year-old man who's sharing his experience with this 60-year-old man, who has a common bond of the military community, and I know him from another setting as well, and we know that because he pours into me, and I try to pour into others, that's building community. And when we, as a community, addresses the, the 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 challenges that we all face, nobody has to carry a un uh, uneven uh, load of the burden, right? You know, and that, that's that's what I mean by that.
0: That's awesome. And, and what I loved also what you said, and, and it really starts with this notion of belief in yourself and belief in your fellow man. And and I tell you, we know from as young as childhood up through you know grown manhood that someone that communicates. A belief in you, whether it be your significant other, whether it be your colleague, whether it be your children, that's a big deal. That's that statement is 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 loaded. Um, And that's that's interesting. So to to pivot off that, you made another statement. And this is just really insightful. I've been I've been really thinking about how we can uh, utilize this thought process specifically in a leadership format at BRC. As advocates, right? So sometimes people think because you haven't gone through what I've gone through exactly, you're of no good to me, Hmm. right? And so you made a statement, um, and it was, it was for the purpose of creating impact, right? It's, 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 it's really, uh, exaggerated, but yet it it, it makes the point. So you said, if you haven't had a heart attack, you can't help me. So in other words, like you said, don't get stuck on who's got your, you know, exact lived experience, right? Right. Um, The the doctor that hasn't had a heart attack, right, when you are having one, is he incapable of helping you? And according to that standard, yeah, get away from me. You haven't had a heart attack, doc. You don't know what you're doing. Is that true? No.
1: No, not at all. So that that statement came from, um... So I worked in the inpatient and outpatient setting in, in treatment right alcohol and uh, drug and alcohol treatment and mental health services so sometimes the message is well you know you never shot heroin so you can't help me or you know you never uh, you never did cocaine so you can't help me and i say to th- to to people all the time so when the paramedic shows up because you've had a heart attack, you don't stop them and say, hey, wait a minute. Have you had a heart attack? Because right. if you haven't had a heart attack, you can't help That's me. Right. No, you don't. You accept that help because that person has shown up and they look like uh, 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 they are somebody that can help you by virtue of them being paramedics. Right. And so sometimes if we just believe and trust that, OK, whoever is sitting in front of us, if they're in that seat, then there's something mm. that they have to offer you. Mm. So you may be surprised that the person who is sitting across from you, yeah, it helped me to have somebody who looked like me, right. but I've also benefited from people who don't look like me, right. who've been able to help me. So I think that the, 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 the bigger message there is, if you're serious about getting help, don't shoot the messenger mm. until you find out what they have to offer. Absolutely. Because uh,
0: you know everybody uh, is able, to help somebody. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and another thing that I hadn't even considered, I mean, I talk about this all the time, but... you said they showed up. Showing up in life for other people, isn't that, like... Man, that's
1: everything. That's everything. That's everything. You you know, when, when I think about people who show up for me, you know, I, I mentioned Barry Anthony, a, a, a guy who I call Uh, My godfather, Mm. Mr. Freeman, he's he's, Mm. he's deceased now, but Mm. Daniel Freeman, he was the social worker I was talking about. And the way that they showed up for me when I had my aftercare meetings, Mm. my commander was there and they showed up to say, you know, he has value. He has Mm. value and Mm. we should keep him. Mm. When I talk about showing up, I'm talking about my dad, who is now deceased, the first time I went to treatment, my dad showed up mm. for me. Wow. That was the first time my dad ever came to understand mm. that Cedric, his 22-at-that-time-year-old son, yeah. needed to hear him say, "Wow, -"Son, I love you." Not in the typical wow. way of... because my dad is was old school.
0: Yeah. That's right.
1: Men shook hands. Right. Men said, How you doing, son? Mm. We didn't hug. We didn't kiss. It Mm. was okay for him to do that with my sisters because they were women. So when he showed up Mm. at treatment for Mm. me, that Mm. meant everything. When people in my life show up, I have another friend who helped me get sober for the last time, hopefully. He said to me, he showed up when he called me and said, first, are you Okay. And then second, I need to talk to you, man, because you scare me. When wow. we're together, wow. I don't know if I'm gonna have to fight you or fight for you. That's showing up. It wasn't. Oh. It wasn't. You know, making me feel all warm and fuzzy. No, he was holding me accountable. Wow, that's showing up. Wow, when you have people in your life wow. who are willing to show up, mm. who are willing to stand with you, right? And sometimes standing with you doesn't mean uh, uh, giving you warm fuzzies. Right. But that's what showing up is. And that's what I try to do with people that I encounter is that I want them to understand I'm here for you, but the work you got to do the work. I'm not going to work harder for you than you are, but I promise you, if you're willing to ask for help and you're Mm. willing to do your part, I'll walk every mile with you Mm. every mile. Mm.
0: That's solid brother. Yeah. And, and again, um, (laughs) <laughs> I asked a simple question. You, you dug deep, <laughs> so thank you. No, that that that's that's awesome. Um, so you've had a little bit of opportunity, and maybe more than I think, um, to actually lay your eyes on the the actual operation at BRC, right? Mm-hmm. You've you've toured, you've been around, and therefore we were able to connect and made a logical decision that you know. As a result of this new initiative, that you might be able to play a part, you've already, you know, to to our listeners, to myself, you know, you've established your your uh, viability and value in 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 that role. But you stepped into a footprint at one point, just like I did, where you didn't know what you were going to encounter. Mm-hmm. And, and the question is, because I, I think this is really important, and we're going to then transition kind of into what's important for those we serve, specifically the veterans, but their families. Mm-hmm. I know you're a big family guy. yeah So what did you see at BRC as you just kicked the tires, looked underneath the hood, in, introduced to different people, right up to right now at this table, right, because we're part of that landscape, that would make a veteran and their family say, that's a place that we can go that will take care of us and understands uniquely who we are. Okay. Well,
1: the first thing, let me, let me say this. So when I went to CBRc, now I have a marketing background. Okay, been in the been in the treatment uh, arena a long time. I used to do marketing business development here in Austin for a a very well to do um, treatment center. That's mm-hmm. okay. So I've been to treatment centers for tours. Okay. And so I know the um I I know how sometimes you're kind of directed in certain areas they show oh. you all of the bells and whistles, right? <laughs> but what impressed me about BRC is mainly uh Mandy Baker. So, I got a chance to my wife and I we got a chance to sit down with the CEO of BRC come to find out that we had crossed paths previously mm. and and she knew <clears throat> me and I I remembered her and and she said something to me that was that she didn't have to say to me in terms mm. of a, a impact that I had had on her but what really impressed me about BRC was the people yeah. the people that are there and the way that they're doing treatment mm. and the mere fact that they're interested in having a program that is suited for veterans with assisted by other veterans, but who are willing to say, we want to understand. See that, 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 that takes a lot because in saying, we want to understand that's, that's telling me you don't know. He or she who is seeking knowledge is someone who is willing to grow. Mm -hmm. When you're working with people who you don't know, If you don't have a desire to get to know, you're in trouble. Bad outcomes. BRC is willing to get to know the lives of veterans, get to know the narratives of veterans, get to know the experiences of veterans. And then I I like to eat. So I use a lot of food analogies. They want to take their clinical ex- expertise right. and put in the pot of rue with the veteran's lived experience, with their cultural beliefs before the military, after the military, the ones they developed while in the military, and they want to make a roux, which I will call a treatment plan, that can help that veteran to get to a place where he or she can thrive post-treatment. Mm. Now, I've been a lot of places but i haven't seen treatment centers who truly have a desire to get to know veterans in that way wow and so that's why i'm excited right. and and you asked me about the family piece yes being a person in recovery yep. and being a person who understands that families go through a lot but there are a lot of families because not because they don't want to but there are a lot of families who don't understand that addiction Addiction, mental health uh, uh, challenges—it's a systemic issue. It's not just that person; it's a systemic—a systemic issue. And so, in that systemic uh, uh, format, everybody has to be involved in the recovery process because there are nuances that happen. That if family members don't get the understanding that when you do this, mm. it affects the healing process in this way, good, bad, or indifferent. There's some family members who have to learn how to hold their family member accountable and not get it twisted with thinking that I don't love them if I don't do this, that, or the other. We as addicts, (laughs) and I promise you, I still have some uh, 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 what I call dope fiend thoughts, Mm. in that we (laughs) are master manipulators. That doesn't go away. And so if I can if I find out that you love me so much that you won't you won't allow me to snort cocaine but you'll let me have beer or you'll let me have wine or you'll let me have a cocktail then guess what I'm going to manipulate you to say well at least I'm not doing cocaine at least I'm not shooting heroin why can't I have a beer but until that person understands that any mood altering substance that's not prescribed by a physician has the same impact or will lead will, will the the chances of it largely leading you back to your drug of choice is is greater when you begin to dibble and dabble in mood-altering substances mm. Mm. then no change happens mm. but if they don't know wow. they don't know wow you wow know? that's that's so that's why I'm so into the family piece because I know what it can do and I, I you know I've seen it what it looks like on both sides of that fence sure when it's productive and when it's counterproductive right but when people don't know better they right. can't do better
0: right and and you're saying something which from my purview is 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 huge uh, and it's this everybody that i've spoken with whether it's in this podcast format or just sidebar conversations are saying the same thing and it and it almost to a man and woman starts with two words mandy baker yeah it's a leadership Issue, Absolutely. Right? It's a Absolutely. leadership issue. And, and I know for me, I came into this space um, with an opportunity to help in my area of subject matter expertise, which is the veteran space, and creating opportunity and structure for a program like this. But I felt like there was some... real imposter syndrome going on with me because I wasn't part of the card-carrying club of recovery. In that specific area. I've got my own drama and trauma. Don't yeah. get it don't get it twisted. But Mandy, even in that capacity, and, and I'm gonna take the family thing and expand it just to non-blood, but just our colleagues, was able to wrap her arms around me, bring me into that fold and say, No, actually, that's okay. And you have a relevant place in this space to exercise a voice that we need, you know, broadcast, and you're and you're now you know articulating what a big deal that is that you know and from from the jump she has been very clear about what she doesn't know right 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 and 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 she has
1: also said that you know i give her a lot of credit for uh being transparent she said cedric there's some things that i know that we have to work on in terms of our staff and diversifying our staff now, again, you're talking to CEO of a company, talking to someone. Now, my wife and I, yeah, we, we love each other to pieces, but we're no big to-dos in the recovery world, right, in the treatment world. She had no reason to, you know, blow smoke up, up our pants, leg, mm-hmm. But she was, she was vulnerable with us and said, hey, look, we know that we've got some work to do in-house. And that's why we're having this conversation, because we want to bring people on board who— has an understanding, who has passion, who has a desire to uh, develop this. Now, to me, that's a leader because a leader who is willing to say, these are things that we currently don't have, but this is how we're going Mm -hmm. to get there. And then I see not just the lip service, but I see the movement going in that direction. When I see you and I see the advocacy board that you're developing and all of this is intended for BRc's uh, uh, dedication to their veterans program, right. and again, that's that's that speaks volumes. Yeah. So it's not I don't I don't endorse BRc because there's something in it for me. I endorse them because of what they are willing to do right. for people that I care very much about, right. veterans <clears throat> who are, are 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 in need of services.
0: Right, right. Well, and and I also think. Uh, duly noted. We 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 go into uh, circumstances and opportunities, um, w- knowing that we might be in an environment that will benefit us. Mm-hmm. And I want <clears throat> you to rest assured that you're not sitting at this table with me if if it's not good for Cedric and you are not a perfect fit for what we're trying to do. And it's again, every word coming out of your mouth is a uh, is a clear confirmation that your place in this space um is is reserved, right? It it's it's amazing. And and we know as we get older, I always say, I want to work smart, not hard. Yes. Right. I want I want yes. that I want that J O B matter of fact I don't even want a job. I want that opportunity where I require zero alarm clocks. Yes. And I did that this morning and I did that the morning before. Like I literally my alarm clock was your face. <laughs> Right, it's like I get to hang out with Cedric and talk and, and and talk about stuff that matters. Yeah, we're not talking about widgets and numbers. And so now we get the, the chance to answer the question, Why would in- individuals and their family choose BRC? And you've just articulated that so well. And it goes back, we're full circle to the question I initially asked you, or we at least the topic we were on is trust. Yeah, right? You have to be able to, to trust um, people, right? Yeah. So let's unpack a few of the things that you said recently, uh, as we've talked, um, and I think this is really this is really good because it, it just sheds light on things that we don't know. Right there is there, there's a lot of stereotypes. Hmm. Veterans come into the civilian, uh, you know, in- environment. Uh, we talk about this word transition and reentry. Reentry is something that I deal with. Um, in several categories, uh, and you and I have talked about this, we, we talk about not only people re-entering uh, from, you know, military to civilian, but we talk about those who have been incarcerated mm-hmm. that have had that same opportunity. And frankly, nested within veterans are people that have been incarcerated. Absolutely. So we have to wrap our minds around all that, and the cultural competency conversation gets, you know, deeper and deeper. Um, but based on... A couple statements we're going to look at that you made, right? So you can't get out of it. You made these statements. I want to know how important it is to understand the dynamic um, that goes along with this, right? So we, we've we've talked through through one of these, but we're going to take just a, a step further when we when we use this term "looks like." Okay, you said it's absolutely helpful when you have someone who looks like you walk through that stuff. Hmm. Okay, so we'll, we'll get to what that stuff is. But again, without beating a dead horse and maybe even going back to the leadership that Mandy's offering when she says we, we need to get this, this, this dynamic right as far as diversity, the looks-like thing, the mm-hmm. looks-like thing. And this stuff, what, what is that? What did you mean by that? So looks-like for me is,
1: I call it a gift, maybe it's a curse, but when I meet people, I think I get to see their hearts, Mm. okay. And so when I see your heart, that it beats like mine, and what I mean Mm. by beats like mine, when I see that your heart truly cares, Mm. you look like me. When I see hurt, when I see pain, and again, you know, when 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 I hear people say, uh, you know, yeah, I used to, I used to have that issue, but I don't have that anymore it makes me a little nervous because it's one thing to grow beyond something, but if we don't remember some of our past mistakes, a lot of times we'll repeat those mistakes. Mm. And so when I say looks like me, I'm mm. talking about people who are empathic, people who are compassionate, and I can, I can sense that. And the one thing that I know about uh, 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 addicts, We're very intuitive people. And so when I can feel you, you're my people. Mm. You don't have to visually look like me. Mm. But when I can feel that you are connecting with me, Mm. then we can work. Mm. We can work together. You know, you talk about the leadership piece of it. And I talk, you know, you talk about people being there for you. When I left, the Air Force, when I retired, I I retired as a E6 technical sergeant. I made that rank twice. Mm. I never got to put it on the first time. And that's important because for me, when my stripe was redlined, I I hung my head. And there were people who saw my abilities. And they said, don't you worry. Don't you quit. You test next year, you get it. And so what I tried to do with that was when I decided to ask for help to go to treatment, all right, I wasn't in trouble. I went to first shift, second shift, and third shift of the people that I worked with. And I said to them, hey, listen, I want you to understand something. I'm getting ready to go to treatment, and I want you to hear from me why I'm going. Mm. I want you to hear from me mm. that I wasn't swinging from the chandelier at mm. the mall. I wasn't in a fight. I wasn't in trouble. Right. I came to understand that I need help. And so if anything that this can do for you in terms of understanding that if Cedric can do it, right. maybe I can do it. right. And I did that not for any other reason other than I thought it was important because there were people that I worked with that told me that they saw things in me. And so I would be cheating them if I didn't try to maximize those things, even when we're down. And see, that's the thing that, you know, you talk about transitions. All of us go through seasons of life when we're going through transitions, Mm -hmm. when I transitioned from the military, I was already connected with the civilian community. So that transition for me was easy. But for a lot of people who transition from the military, especially when you spend as much time as I did, and there's a culture that you adopt, there are certain norms that you adopt, but when you become Mr. Dunmore, and you're on that new job, guess what? You're the new guy. You're not Tech Sergeant Dunmore. You're not Chief Master Sergeant of the the Air Force. You are the new guy. And so for some people, being the new guy, it's it's a hard transition. It's just like treatment. When you're the new guy in treatment, Mm -hmm. other people have been there. You see other people looking like they're way further down the line than you, and you're still detoxing or you're still... At that place where you don't know if you're going to stay or go, right? It's it's a challenge. Wow. It can be challenging, but when you have people who look like you, right? People who you can feel that yeah. they genuinely that's care. Right. It's not just a nine to five. Right. They show up because they want to show up. Right. They show up because they want to help. They show up because they want to make a difference. Right? Wow, brother. That's, that's
0: yeah. That's big. That that that's, that's showing up. That's that's huge. And, and <clears throat> something that you said <clears throat> parallels something that I said to another one of our advocacy board members who happens to be a retired dude with a couple stars. And the very first conversation I had with him was because another gentleman that had some stars on his chest as well that could not take me up on the opportunity to be a part of the BRC advocacy board, said, you need to talk to this gentleman. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was because he understood that in some way, well, he was clear that Barry was one of those guys that was going to end up looking like John Sterling. And I had a captive audience for 28 minutes with this two-star retired general. And at the end... He said, and this is a, a hashtag we're going to be putting on T-shirts because I love this response. But it, but it, again, it speaks to the DNA of somebody when they say this, right? I explain the opportunity. I explain the situation. He says, John, I'm in. Mm. Mm. And that, that brings me to tears almost because how do I? Staff sergeant promotable, and again, we're who gives a crap about our ranks at this point, but we know right, right. what we're—I'm talking to a two-star. And, and I got him at the heart level. Like, yes, he's African-American. Yeah. We look like each other. Yeah. Okay? But you got him here. I got him right at center mass. That's right. And what you said gets to the heart of what I believe BRC, this organization, is all about. That's right. Right? It's 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 the peer-to-peer, it's life on life, it's understanding that you don't have to experience exactly what I've experienced. We if we're connecting here, that's right. We're good.
1: That's exactly right. We're good. That's exactly right. And that's powerful. And it's important, it's important for the leadership in our military services. It's important for the leadership in our veteran system. Uh, it's important for the leadership in our treatment centers to understand that having diversity amongst your staff is an absolute win for you. Having people who have lived experience is an absolute win for you. But when you have people who genuinely care, genuinely show up, And genuinely have a curiosity Mm. about those things that you don't know about a system. There are a lot of stigmas that go along with being in the military. The only time, the only way that those stigmas can change to a positive place is that those people who are having those experiences, they have to then change their narrative of how they talk about. Mm. people who have served, mm. okay? So when we begin to, and and that's that's in life, that's in recovery, that's in everything. When we share our narratives of our lives, mm. we share from a perspective that we want people to hear us in this vein. Mm. If, if I want to be a victim when I give you my narrative, now, you may have had some very traumatic experiences, don't 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 mishear me. I'm not I'm not minimizing anybody's experience, but I've had uh, uh, my son die mm-hmm. at seven months old. Hurt me to my core, but I've learned that when I tell that story of what happened, to tell it from a place of yes, this happened, but oh God, look what happened also, and so that's where I think that veterans, those who are assistant veterans, family members, communities, right. as a whole, right. have to get to a place of, let's hear their narrative. Mm. Find out from whence their narrative mm. is coming, mm. and then Powerful. you can help. But if you don't know right. where I'm coming from, not just <clears throat> know my story, not just blah, blah, okay, you're right. taking your notes while I'm... I'm done. Yes, it, right. yes, yes, yes. But if you're not paying attention to my narrative, you don't know where the pain stops, starts, pauses, or continues. Right. And it's in those places, those beginnings, pauses, stops, continuations, that's where the opportunity comes in for those who are
0: assisting to show up. No, And that's powerful? I'm thinking through <clears throat> the notion and the the juxtaposition between straight clinical versus curiosity. Clinical versus curiosity, very different. Don't they don't have to, they could be integrated, but something that's been on my radar lately uh, said is that and it's through a book that was published maybe within the past 18 months um by Oprah Winfrey and a and a guy that's a clinician um, that she's been working with for decades, but the book is called "What Happened to You," hmm. and and their whole their whole idea is that we are so ready to say, "What is wrong with you?" Hmm. And we might even put a few explicatives. What in the is wrong with you? Absolutely. As opposed, which, which that is a death sentence. That is judge and jury and executioner. That's right. It loaded into that statement is whatever it is you wrong, you're off yeah something's something's dark as opposed to what happened to you and at that point, hit the pause button and listen that's right and be willing to lean into that and and I think that is so rich and valuable because one of the things that it will happen with this this advocacy board and the opportunities, and I we disc- we discussed this and and I described. I want people, and in this conversation, kind of is is an opportunity to to kind of uh, flesh that out. How that would look for for Cedric, right? To organically come to the table with your own what happened to you, mm-hmm. to allow others to be free and create a space of safety and nurturing, and. And in and, and a place that is welcoming mm-hmm. to say, me too, or not so much, but can I share my narrative? Yeah. And would you actually listen? listen? Right? Would you actually suspend judgment from your microaggressions all the way down to stuff where you're just you're not holding back at all and you're looking at me like I've got something growing out of my forehead? Yeah. But I think that is rich. And, and again, you know from the short time we've known each other that... Leadership is like that is my thing, and these are leadership conversations, right? And, yeah. and 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 again, when we start talking about Mandy and others, several others that I can think of, uh, right on down to the the young man we have in, in common, a former NFL athlete. That joker's got a leadership platform unique to himself, and he and he he's doing great things. Yeah, but it's it's leadership. So I really appreciate you helping us to understand um, and, and and embedded in in your. Comments. You've kind of answered the the second question, but you you said that as veterans, we've been through some things, right? We've been through some things that the average person has not gone through. So that's not like we're wearing it on our sleeve. Right. Curate this environment for me. I need I need special kid glove treatment. But when you think about the opportunity to um, lean into those uniquenesses. Of veterans, you know, without making them feel, you know, odd or different, how do you, how does Cedric give wisdom and insight into how we would come alongside that? So,
1: I was I was blessed in the in the in, the, in the, from the perspective of when I retired, the very first um, job that I had, I worked at a place called Safe P. So as a substance abuse felony punishment program okay. for offenders, right? So coming from a military system and having never been incarcerated myself, mm-hmm. believe it or not, because mm-hmm. statistically yeah, I'm happened. supposed to have been right yeah and it could have happened yeah. yeah absolutely. So I got to learn a system, a community, a culture that was completely different for me. But then again, there were some similarities. Mm. Now, for the average person who is listening, who wants to you know, uh, uh, look at my next statement from a black and white perspective, oh, he's comparing the military to prison. No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to give you a broader uh, 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 optical of how communities mm-hmm. form and how communities uh, 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 carry themselves outside of those communities. When I left the military, I had an understanding of the military system and how it worked, the brotherhood that was there, the camaraderie that was there. When I got to Safe P, I came to understand a community, a brotherhood, a network, an association that they felt very comfortable in. Some of them felt very comfortable, but they shared with me their narrative of what happened to them. Yep. And I was willing to learn what happened to them, and then I could work with them, not because I had been incarcerated before, but I I began to be able to work with them because I heard what happened to them, and then I could draw some similarities of what happens when you're in pain. Mm. My pain was different. Right. My pain was from a person who was in the free world in in pain. They were people who were incarcerated that were in pain. One of the things I I always share with people is don't minimize another person's pain. Mm. Because given the right amount of pressure, your pipe will burst too. That's you know, true. and that's one of the things that I like about what I see the potential for happening at BRC is they have people there who genuinely want to know what happened to you. Right. They have people who genuinely want to understand how can I be of service to you getting to know what happened to you. Right. You don't find that everywhere. No. You don't find that everywhere. And so for me coming to understand a system right. an environment a culture that i had no direct knowledge of right. but when i left there 13 months later i came to understand that criminal thinking and addictive thinking are first cousins yep. okay That's now right. had i not had that experience i may have been one of those people who just say well you know offenders are xyz right but taking the time to get to know what happened mm. That's where the. That's where. That's your money ball. When you find out what happened, right.
0: And then come from
1: a place of, how can I help,
0: right? Or 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 how can I not help and. How can I hold you accountable? Right. Whatever. That that's really interesting, and it's funny that you mentioned this in the context of the military and the uh, former offender reentry community, right? Mm -hmm. You were just on a call last night on a common leadership platform. We had two dudes that have collectively spent decades and decades behind bars. Yeah. Right. One of one of which was in for a life sentence. Yeah. Did you see leadership on that call? Man, let me tell you what, John, I am so happy. And, you know,
1: I have to give you credit because you introduced me to that platform. That platform and those those particular two guys. But there were a lot of leaders and 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 there there was leadership oozing from that call and you're talking about people from different walks of life different experiences didn't look like each other did they didn't look like <laughs> each other but they came together right. for a common cause and that cause was leadership and so to answer your question yeah i was blown away you know yeah. i I'd, I'd heard his name before yeah but like i said i'm watching him on the screen and he's watching me on the screen but I could feel him. That's right. I could feel him. He like showed you. up. He looked like me. That's right. You know, he looked like That's me. That's right. And so uh, that was that. That that call was. Uh, you know, every time that I'm I'm i I've been fortunate to be on that call, I'm enhanced. My leadership is enhanced yeah. by that experience. It's amazing. And so you know, I, I recognize that leadership at BRC. I recognize that leadership in you. And I'm just so uh, uh, so grateful. That you know, God has given me the, this opportunity to be mm-hmm. in a place where I'm asking to be used yes. for the betterment of of people who still uh, want to want to say what happened to them.
0: Ab- absolutely. So we're going to wind down our conversation with um, one last quote uh, that you made, and then I'm going to uh, give you a common question that I've asked everybody on an acronym that I created, kind of a mission statement, action points. But one of the things I, I really, and, and I'm going to ask you to truncate your answer. I know okay. we, you you and I both have that problem. We can talk for a minute. But you you said this, and this is what I want to really, um, to have everyone thinking about. And we're going to end the call on the back end with this as well, because the, the, the notion and the focal point of what BRC wants to stand for is something that you are, what I consider, you're a broker for this. You are a hope broker. And you said, if I can introduce you, y'all, whoever, to this thing called hope, anything is possible. Give me the elevator answer to what in the heck that's supposed to mean. I love it. Well,
1: I'll give you the elevator answer to that. Hope is... Having opportunity, it precedes excellence. Mm. When you have an opportunity to do better, Mm. that is the springboard to your excellence. Mm. And I believe that all of us have excellence that exists in us. We just have to get the opportunity. Mm. So that's why hope is so important Mm. to me and and trying to extend it to other people. Mm. Because if you have hope, Anything is
0: possible. Mm, that's awesome. You you used a term earlier that we're going to end with, and it's win. You know, you said if we have this, it, it, we're winning. It's a win, right? So, win is the acronym. We you know we we, we cannot separate ourselves as military cats from acronyms, right? So, win simply stands for um, welcome, inspire, and navigate. Okay. That is going to be your and the other 11 board members' single focal point. And that looks like different things for each of you. But in the context of welcoming people, and again, these are three elevator versions, Mm -hmm. how does Cedric Dunmore demonstrate that?
1: So when I welcome a person, (laughs) I want them to feel at ease to be free. Mm. When I welcome a person, I want them to understand that it's safe. Mm. That's how I welcome a person. Mm. Give me I and N.
0: Mm. So, now we're gonna inspire. Okay.
1: So, when I hope to inspire a person, it's by sharing with them that I've broken, Mm -hmm. I've been broken. Mm. I'm always in the process Mm. of renovation. Mm. And so I I say to people that I work with and their families, I'm not trying to make you into many Cedrics. I offer you the opportunity. I try to inspire people the opportunity, the desire to renovate themselves. Mm. You know where the cracks are. Are you willing to, Make those renovations that it takes mm. in order to get your house mm. in order. Wow. Mm. Two things I saw at BRC, I felt welcome. Mm. I felt very, very welcome. Yeah, me too. You know, and so it's, it's, it's. I feel that. Give me the end.
0: And I'm going to harken back to something you said in your own lived experience, and I'm going to add a little to that because I think you'll understand this. All military people. I believe the Air Force feels like it's valuable to have land navigation skills. We've done that, right? Yes. But the idea is navigation requires something that you said you didn't have when you got redlined. It requires head up, eyes forward. That's right. And so, when we talk about navigation of a terrain, we're taught to shoot our azimuth, Right. That's true north. And, and that gives us a an idea of. But if you don't keep your head up and you put your head down and walk too far, you're going to be off further and further and further off of north. That's right. And so how do we allow people to shoot that azimuth? Find true north. And do that in a community.
1: So the way that I encourage people to navigate, and I'll use the analogy of a tombstone. Mm. All of us have an expiration date. Mm. On a tombstone, you have the day that you're born. It's usually a big number. The day that you die is usually written big. Those two numbers are big. But the navigation happens in that dash, mm. that little bitty dash. That's where the navigation happens. Because if I can help you to change and focus on due north for the remainder of however long you have to be here, that's what people are going to remember you by. That's where your hope comes in. That's where people see mm. that when I was uh, 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 when I was broken. I acknowledged it. I saw it, but I didn't stay there.
0: Mm.
1: I didn't stay there. I got up and I took steps mm. and I made action mm. and I changed mm. my position. I navigated myself to a place of purpose. That's how I help try to help people wow. find navigation. Wow. The dash. Right the dash. There. Wow. That's what people remember. When they're t- when they're right. eulogizing you, they remember what you did in the dash.
0: Mm.
1: All of us can recreate our dash.
0: Mm. Wow. Well, once again, I ask simple questions and I get knowledge dropped, brother. This has been an amazing conversation and um, I, w- I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, I- I'm really... Uh, Encouraged. Uh, we talk about leadership uh, often. If if you're talking to John Sterling, you're going to talk about leadership. But what I know is that oftentimes leaders do not have spaces where they can be led. That's why the platform that we discussed earlier exists, so we can show up and get some leadership. Because we're we, we sometimes we show up and, and, and the tank is empty, and yeah. we need it refilled, and we need perspective, and we need direction we need to shoot that azimuth and, and have people carry us and navigate us. And so you've truly done that for me. I look forward to uh, the opportunity to impact the veterans uh, that we're going to serve at BRC. Um, I know that all the listeners have just been blessed um, and benefited by this conversation. And I hope that the conversation is, is a starting point and is is something where we've inserted ourselves into their dash yes, and yes. perhaps allowed the trajectory of whatever that end date is, right? The expiration date, um, to be that much more glorious and beneficial. So, brother, I really appreciate you showing up today. And for those that are out there listening, we appreciate your opportunity uh, to uh, serve you through this conversation and your partnership uh, with what we're doing at uh, BRC Recovery. Thank you very much. Have a great day.